And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros, the show that examines the guys that are about to be drafted into the NFL, the guys who just got drafted in the NFL, and everything in between. We are recording this on Tuesday morning. It, it, it's a very strange time in, in, in football. Uh, we're still waiting to hear more about DeMar Hamlin. As, as, as At the time we're recording this, he is in, in critical condition. He's sedated in a hospital in Cincinnati still. Uh, so we're just thinking about him. Uh, it's one of those things that in football, you know things can happen. But, Dane, a lot of, lot of people who played a lot of football came out of that saying they'd never seen anything like that. So I don't really want to yeah. speculate. And obviously when this runs, there may be more hard information, but just let me know we're, we're, we're thinking about him and, and just, just hope he's okay. Yeah, no question. And, you know, I go back to when DeMar was coming out of pit and scouting him and, um, you know, his coaches just, raving about um you know his communication in the secondary and, and on that defense uh he was a team captain his senior year yeah um, everybody talking to his, loved him oh it, it, his teammates exactly there he was the first guy they would mention when uh you know they, they would single him out as being the tone setter of that defense and that's carried over to the nfl I mean, he was a six-round pick that's exactly where he was projected to go and he has outplayed uh, where he was drafted and been a big part of that locker room and, and the culture they have in Buffalo. So, um, and, and, you know, it's just, uh, you never want to see a Tenny player. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really sobering thing. And all, you know, all we can do is, you know, uh, send our thoughts and prayers and hopefully, uh, you know, it's able to have a positive outcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping by the time this runs, there's some, there's some good news. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But... We're talking about this this year's draft, college football playoff. The, the semifinal games were very interesting. Oof. The game I was at, the Peach Bowl, feels like there were some, I don't know, moves made, but some statements made. And, and it feels to me like the biggest statement was by C.J. Stroud. I, I feel like I should apologize <laughs> for everything I've said about him on this podcast because he was, he was sensational that game. And... You know, I don't know if it was a one-time thing or maybe we just, you know, he he doesn't always have to play against this level of competition, so we don't get to see him doing all those things. But I came away thinking very differently of him than when I went into that game. Yeah, and, and I don't think, you know, like either of us need to apologize because, you know, he put uh, new new things on tape that, you know, we had not seen from him on a consistent basis. Um, and, and, okay, here, I'll put it this way. This is, a, this is a great way to frame this conversation. Over his first 27 games at Ohio State, how many missed tackles do you think he had? 
if you had oh, a guess. Maybe one or two in the Northwestern game this year. Uh, so I'll, I'll say four. One. One, wow. one missed tackle, in his, and, it, and it came this year. Um, one missed tackle in, his, in the first 27 games. He had three alone in, in that Georgia game. Um, he had so two on one it, play. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and even uh, earlier this year, it was the Penn State game where he set a career high with three scrambles in that game. He had six alone against Georgia. So he was doing things different in the Peach Bowl than he had done in uh, his career. And this goes back to high school. He was not a considered a dual threat quarterback in high school. He was a guy that wanted to play from the pocket. Uh, And even going back to, you know, recruiting rankings, Bryce Young was a dual, was ranked as a dual threat quarterback. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud is ranked as a pro style quarterback because that's how he played. And that's how he played, uh, you know, his first, uh, first 27 games at Ohio state. And yes, he did have, you know, as a, uh, Freshman, he had a long run against Michigan State. Against Northwestern, he had a long run. But he never really looked comfortable doing that. It was not about uh, extending plays with his legs. It was more about winning from the pocket. And he play- he did that at a high level. It's just there were questions about can he create on a consistent basis. Well, in this one game against Georgia, he did. I mean, in the second quarter, that one drive where Jalen Carter beat uh, the right guard oh. right off the bat, yeah. had a sh- straight line to the quarterback, and... Uh, CJ just did a simple sidestep, made a miss, and, and found the. I can't remember who he threw it to, but uh, it was a comeback route, and uh, you know, moving the chains, first down, and then two plays later, I think it was, and then yeah, two plays later was the touchdown where you know he made, like you said, two guys miss uh, in the backfield, extended the play. Uh, kudos to Marvin Harrison for uh, you know uh, improvising with the quarterback, getting open, and uh, had to get the touchdown. Both of their first two touchdowns were both outside of structure, so. That's he played the best game of his Ohio State career in the biggest moment on the biggest stage, and that counts. That matters. I mean, that that's yeah. a big deal for C.J. Stroud. So you know, I I I don't think we beat him up too much going into it because we both agree he, this is an NFL starter because of right. what he does from the pocket. He's surgical. He the anticipation, the accuracy. He's very good from the pocket. It's just there were questions about can he be a creator? It's not that he was a bad athlete. It's just, it's not that he's incapable. It just does, what's the comfort level? Because, right. you know, it's almost like scrambling and using your legs. It's it's almost like a feel type of thing. It's mm-hmm. not as simple as, oh, he runs a 4-5. Okay, well, then he can do it. It's more of, a, a, you know, just a, a feeling, being able to understand when to do it, when not to do it, when be able to miss, uh, force missed tackles. And you know what? He did it on multiple uh, occasions that, uh, you know, really made scouts sit up and, you know, now you have to look at it and say, okay, now we know he's capable of it. Can he do it consistently? That's the next question. Well, and and he's going to have to do it. I mean, you look at where he's going to get drafted, and especially since he probably helped himself in this game, he's going to get drafted fairly high. Yeah. That means there's a good chance he's going to a bad team. And what, what do most bad teams have in common? They don't have great offensive lines. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's, or or that's Marvin Harrison part. Jr. level receiver. Or receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, he, our, our our friend CJ was a little spoiled at Ohio State. He's he's going to have to find out that, that it's not always that easy. Yeah. There's not always that many guys open. But but yeah, we'll 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 talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. in a second too. But yeah, I I think what you saw from CJ. Now, if you're CJ, how do you in the interview process and all that? How do you explain? Hey, this is something I can repeat. Mm. even though you haven't seen this more than once on tape. 
Yeah, and this is something that I know a lot of general managers believe, and it's something that <clears throat> um, I've heard from Chris Ballard that he taught me is if you've done it, if I've seen you do it once on tape, I know you can do it. And then it's up to our coaches to get it out of you on a consistent basis. So I think a lot of general managers will have that mindset when it comes to CJ that, okay, he is a, uh, you know, he's a good athlete. When he wants to, he can tuck and run. Um, now, you know, there are times where, you know, you wish you maybe would have finished inbounds instead of trying to escape and not get, you know, got get hit and things like that. But, you know, the fact that you saw it in this game tells a lot of evaluators that, hey, he's capable. He, he can do this. And it's just up to us to, uh, you know, go through the tape with him so he better understands when maybe in the past when he should have done that. And then in the future when maybe he does and, you know, needs to reel it back a little. So, yeah, I, I think that it's it's if you're an NFL team, you are going to feel much better about C.J. Stroud now compared to a week ago because he put new evidence on tape that he is comfortable mm-hmm. using his legs and buying time, extending, uh, you know, playing outside of structure. And in today's NFL, that's what you need. And he showed that he's at least capable of it. Time will tell if it becomes a more regular part of his game. Um, so it's that's part of the projection aspect of uh, of scouting this player. So interestingly enough, Chris Ballard may be the one picking him. Very because, possible. Very possible. Uh, right now, now obviously things can change because of the 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 games of of next week. But right now, Indianapolis would be picking number five. Yeah. Houston at number one. And we should mention quarterback. We should yep. mention that Houston, if they lose, they lock up the number one pick on Sunday. Um, right. There, there are only two teams in the in the running for number one, the Bears. Yep. If if they lose and the Texans win, and the Texans are playing, mm-hmm. I believe, at Indianapolis. So that's, you know, yeah. the, theoretically. Anything could happen. Yeah, it, it's a winnable game uh, for, for Houston. So if they win that game and the Bears lose, uh, they're playing Minnesota. Um it's conceivable that Chicago could come out of this with a number one overall pick. And that's when things would get really interesting uh, yeah. with possible trade scenarios. And, right, because they uh, ain't you know. taking a quarterback. They're real happy with the guy they got. But, yeah, well, and, but and yes. if if Houston does win, that means the Colts lost. And, you know, they could be in, in the top three. So, yeah, it's we'll, we'll know Sunday afternoon how that top five of the draft order is going to shake out. Yeah, the Seahawks who have the the Broncos pick from the Russell Wilson trade, mm-hmm. they're a, they're an X factor here because Geno Smith, yeah. good season, but has kind of come back down to earth. So they might be in the market for a quarterback as well. Uh, the Cardinals definitely not in the market for a quarterback. And then you got the Colts sitting there where they, they very well might. So uh, the Colts, probably big Broncos fans, probably want Russ to have the, the best game of his season in the last one. But it, it will be very interesting to see how that shakes out because – CJ, I, I think, probably solidified his spot as as either one or two. I, I still think Bryce is number one. And we can talk about Bryce a little bit. I, I want to hit on one more thing from the Peach Bowl before we move on to, to some other players. But we had mentioned multiple times throughout the past few weeks that we wanted to see Keely Ringo and Marvis, Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. certainly got the best of that matchup. Yeah. And this is, you know, Keely Ringo, this is not a one game thing. This mm-hmm. is a over the course of the season, we've seen some stuff where, you know, people were looking at him as maybe one of the first corners off the board. 
do they still feel that way? Yeah, and I I think that Keely Ringo, um, you know, coming into the year, we thought, okay, you know, last time we saw him on the field, he's making a game clinching pick six against Alabama to win national title, six two two ten, gonna run in the four threes. Um, you know, this guy has a chance to be a top ten pick, top five pick, and then this season he just hasn't taken that next step in his development in terms of coverage. Uh, where you know we know he's big, we know that he's he's long, he's fast. He's an explosive tackler, but uh, he just he, he's so late reacting to to routes. He doesn't anticipate uh, the situa- situational awareness isn't there. It's not developed yet. Um, you know, he, he, you want to see him press more. He gives a free release and then he's just trying to play catch up. Um, and even as a tackler, uh, it, it's inconsistent in terms of his, you know, settling, breaking down, finishing. So um, it, there are many times against Marvin Harrison Jr. where he just, he he looked lost. Marvin Harrison, uh, as freaky as he is, he's also a very good route runner. Finding that blind yeah. spot, creating that separation. Ringo didn't know when to look for the football. Um, and he looked like he was just tied up in knots. And, and that's something that... Uh, if he decides to declare, uh, he's he's you know only a redshirt sophomore, so no uh, you know no official announcement just yet. Um, I I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility that he falls to the second round. I mean you think about another Georgia corner in recent years, Tyson Campbell. That was a a mm-hmm. big fast corner who was inconsistent on film, and he fell yeah. to the the second round. And so it, it, it shouldn't surprise anybody if Ringo ends up going in the second round and not the first round. Because the consistency factor is just not there, and like as good as Marvin Harrison is, you're going to be facing that level of receiver in the NFL, and so the the development where he's at, it's just it's there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about his game, and so it's uh, uh it's going to be interesting to see how uh, teams you know how they handle his projection uh, throughout the process if he declares. Interesting conversation I had in the press box with Cameron Teague, who covers Ohio State for us at The Athletic, mm-hmm. and, and with Jeff Schultz, who's our Atlanta columnist. And I think it was Cameron who, who brought up the idea. He's like, why don't they play him at safety? And mm-hmm. I thought back to Tyran Matthew, who was a, another guy who, when he's around the ball, makes incredible plays and, and seems to have a nose for where the ball is going to be. But was not the greatest cover corner. Now, Tyran Matthew is obviously smaller than than Keely Ringo. But I remember at LSU in 2011, Matthew's having this incredible season. We're talking about him for the Heisman Trophy. And then they play Alabama, and he gets put on an island against some some very good receivers, and he doesn't look very good. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, he wasn't that good anyway. Well, no, he is that good. You just have to play him the right way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's not the worst suggestion. You know, I mean, he, he has safety size. He has obviously the speed and playing at a safe, more of a safety role, keeping things in front of him where he can read, react. And obviously there's, you know, we're talking about a lot of different angles and uh, sight lines and, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to develop in that type of role. But I, I think it's at least worth considering um, if you're Georgia, especially because Georgia is loaded Because he makes huge plays on the ball. And yeah. Like I'll give you an example from the game. They blitz him off the off the corner, yep. and he doesn't get home. But all you know, he affects the throw. The pass is completed to Marvin Harrison Jr., who is about to beat everybody in the Georgia defense. Keely Ringo runs him down, peanut punches the ball out, and if if they hadn't been so close to the sideline, Georgia right. gets that ball, and that's the that's a honey badger play right there. 
Like you don't have to you don't have to be a lockdown corner. Obviously, there's more money in being a lockdown corner, but there are ways you can help your team even if you are not a lockdown corner. Being 6'2", having that size and having that type of speed where you can easily chase down a, a Marvin Harrison, you're the fastest guy on the field. Yeah, that's that, that, that is a big weapon that you have uh, that you, you can use to make different plays. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there you, there is something to that where, you know, and, and he hasn't had, it's not like he's had a terrible season. I, I think we yeah. just have to, you know, and it, it's the same thing with like CJ Stroud when we kind of nitpick here oh, and there. I, I, got a, it, I got another example. Okay. Minka. Okay. I remember watching Minka get cooked as a freshman at Alabama when they were playing him as a pure corner. Mm-hmm. And they move into that star position and suddenly he's the best player on the defense. Right. Yeah. And that's sometimes when you move players like that, it, do, it definitely unlocks a comfort level that they, you know, they can, uh, you know, because they understand what they have with their with their ability. Oh, Eddie Jackson's another Alabama player had the same thing. Yeah. Poor, yeah. poor dude had to cover Mike Evans one on one early on in his career. And, and everybody's like, this guy's never going to make it. Yeah. Well, no, he's turns out he's really good DB just at a different position. Yeah, well, and we'll we'll see here once Georgia after this national title game, uh, we'll, we'll get an official decision from Ringo, and you know we'll have more conversations about that if he's coming out or uh, going back to school. And um, yeah, it, we're not done talking about Keely Ringo as a prospect uh, in this process, that's for sure. Well, I just mentioned Alabama. Let's let's move over to to Alabama. It, I I know we want to talk about the other semifinal, and we will. But I thought the Sugar Bowl was a very telling game for a couple people. Yeah. One, Bryce Young, doing Bryce Young things, being exactly who he thought he was. But the other guy who jumped out is another one I know is a favorite of yours, and we've talked about him on the pod before. Brian Branch Unreal. dominated that game. <laughs> I, I think he finished with 12 tackles, four for loss, uh, a forced fumble, an interception. You know, he has 14 tackles for loss this year. He's three behind Will Anderson. <laughs> Like that's, that's unbelievable, crazy. and he's a safety. I mean, he, he's more of a nickel. He, he's that star position. Yeah. But I, there are not twenty better prospects in this draft than Brian Branch. Uh, I mean, he absolutely belongs in the top twenty. Um, he officially declared this week, along with Bryce Young, Will Anderson, and Jameer Gibbs. So he will be in this draft where he, you know, he he's going to at least be in the conversation to be the first DB off the board. Um, you know, I, I, for a guy that's does, he's not very big. I mean, he's about 195 pounds, but he's a really sure tackler. Uh, the versatility that he gives you, uh, to play in any scheme, any situation that, that, that is a big deal for NFL teams. Um, and so Brian Branch, I think he's going to be a guy that scouts are going to like. And then once coaches get involved and they see how valuable he was to that defense and how much Nick Saban trusted him and how he responded yeah. Um, as a playmaker, again, making plays, it's not just, you know, it's not just a traits uh, player here. He's a guy that when you turn on the tape, he is a playmaker. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be universally uh, really well liked by scouts and coaches alike throughout the process. Yeah, very smart player. That That's usually the, the guy who wins that star position and who excels in that star position in Alabama is the, the closest one to Saban in terms of thought right. process. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, they said, was almost identical to Saban in terms of the way they thought. And so that's that's what you want. I mean, you, you want someone who's who's analytical like that and who can who can diagnose things on the field 
and who can get people in the right places. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, he was already a very well thought of prospect, but that game just shows you how valuable he is. But, but let's, let's talk about Bryce. Cause he misses that yeah. first deep shot to Jermaine Burton. And you're like, Oh, I feels like they're a little off today. And then just boom, 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 boom. There's no stopping him. I mean, just, uh, the accuracy down the field. Uh, he, he, Kansas state, not, uh, an sec level defense, but one of the better defenses in the, in the big 12, um, yeah. enough that it shouldn't have been that easy for Bryce Young. Um, but yeah, the movements in the pocket, uh, you know, his ability to put the ball in just perfect placement. Uh, I mean, you, you, there were most of those throws, it, you know, you, you couldn't have put it in a better spot where his guy can make a play and the defenders had no shot. They just couldn't react and they couldn't make, make something happen. So, um, on time consistently, um, I, he is just a really, really impressive player. And I, you know, he finished his career just like, you know, we thought he could. Um, I, I'm just, I, I continue to be blown away by Bryce Young and it's, it's going to be interesting with, uh, you know, and we've talked about it before and we'll talk about it the next four months between him and CJ Stroud and Will Levis will be in that conversation for a lot of yep. teams about court, who's the top quarterback. Uh, is this, how much is the size a factor? Um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be really in- interesting, but I mean, Bryce Young, I just don't know how you could turn on the tape and not really enjoy watching him play, not appreciate what, uh, just everything that he, that he offers from the instincts, the vision, um, you know, he has, you know, and he, he's a point guard in, you know, growing up, he'll, he'll tell you basketball was his first love. Um, and he actually trained with basketball uh, uh, you know, skill trainers. And I think that's right. where, that's what you see from him in the pocket. He where play, He plays like a point guard. Yeah, exactly. The spatial, his, his favorite player, his favorite athlete, Steph Curry. And like that's no surprise at all with how he plays. The spatial awareness where, you know, he knows exactly, okay, I've got, you know, 1.2 seconds before I'm going to get smashed, but I'm going to take 1.1 seconds until that route comes open and then I'm going to hit it perfectly. Like he just, he, he is very natural to him. And so as long as you can get past the size and it, and it's not just strictly the size in terms of, you know, seeing over the line and all that. It's, it's, uh, I know, you know, a big part of it is going to be the durability factor and right. okay. You know, you're a smaller guy. So can you take that punishment uh, and, and bounce back, um, you know, it's it's going to be an issue. But um, again, I when it's all said and done, I'm going to bet on the guy that is just a magician uh, back there in terms of his movements, his accuracy, um, you know, the instincts. And so uh, it, it was really fun to watch him go out like that in, in his final college game. The the throw to Ja'Cory Brooks, that was in the upper right corner of the end zone. Yeah, perfect. Where, I mean, the, the, there's nowhere a DB could do anything with it. The only place it could be caught was in that corner by Brooks, who basically, I don't even know how to describe it, just kind of stuck his hands out and the ball <laughs> fell into them. Like, I, I, think he was, I think he was surprised. Like, I don't think he it's really... like a guided like, missile. Yeah, I don't think he really knew like, oh, well, you know, this ball's not coming to me. And then he looked and he's like, oh, it's right there. Boom. Okay. Per-, you know, like, it just, it was almost like a handoff. Yeah. It was like a 40, 50 yard handoff. So... Uh, yeah, uh, he had several of those plays where it's just the placement. Uh, as a defense, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, okay, we're, we're playing a real one right here. Uh, nothing yeah, we can you, do you, about you that. You got us. Yeah, exactly.
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. One other player I wanted to ask you about in this game, and I don't know that he's made a decision. I'll have to look because he, he might have made one yesterday, but Felix Anaduke Zama yeah. from, from K-State. He's the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Where does he fall in terms of if, if he's in this draft class. Yeah, it's a really loaded uh, edge rusher position this year. And I think that might knock him down a little bit where, you know, it's just, it's, you know, how do you stack him with guys like, uh, you know, Dylan Horton from TCU or uh, Isaiah Foskey, Notre Dame, um, Will McDonald, Iowa State, uh, you know, all these guys that are viewed as day two edge rushers. Um, I, I really like how he his backfield vision. I uh, really uh, he's so aggressive with the way he attacks the corner. Good strength in his upper half. Um, you know, he's very strong with his hands, and so he can work off contact. Um, you see a lot of stab moves. Um, you know, long arms to try and pry open that corner. Uh, but at the same time, he is not a guy that. Um, is super bendy. He's a little stiff, trying to, you know, turn the corner at the top of his rush. Um, you know, he prefers to be more, uh, you know, more aggressive um, than than elusive as a, as a pass rusher. So, you know, I, I think he's probably more in that mid to late third round range as opposed to being a top 50 type of guy. But, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think you – feel like there's more there. Like he is, yeah. you know, he was, uh, when he got there, what, like 210 pounds or something? Like just yeah. not a, not a, not even close to a finished product. They really developed him and you feel like the ceiling is, um, you know, it's, it, 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 he has yet to reach it. He's going to get better and better. And, you know, he projects as an NFL starter. It's just a matter of, okay, can he be a little bit better as an edge setter? Can he be a little bit uh, more diverse with his his pass rush arsenal and the ways that he wins and, and gets to the quarterback because uh, you'll need to be at the NFL level. So um, you know, I, I think that's why he's viewed as more of a um, you know back half you know uh, uh, day two guy and not a guy you consider the top fifty. So another K State player I want to ask about is Deuce Vaughn because yeah. the, the Darren Sproles comparisons are going to be obvious because he's an undersized back. Yeah who can do a little bit of everything from Kansas state, but I don't feel like they're that inaccurate. I feel like that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah. And I think, I do think Sproles had a little more, um, a little more power, uh, you know, as an inside runner, you know, with, with Deuce Vaughn, he is, he, he has, uh, you know, even as an inside runner, he's so good 
at being patient behind his blockers. Like, and you can really see it from the end zone view where he gets yeah. it and he just he just hides behind his blockers, waits for the perfect time, and he has got a really good feel for when that, that red C is going to part, and then he hits it. And But I think in the NFL where you have to be able to play through contact, there, too often on tape you see Deuce Vaughn go down by an arm tackle um, or, you know, at contact, he's going backwards. He's not getting, he doesn't have that run power to go forward. So he's he's a satellite back. You know, he needs space. Um, and in right. that role, he could be really effective. There's no doubt. Um, it, you know, in, in Kansas State, they'd use him that way. End of rounds, they use him on jets. Um, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that you just you know, try to get the ball in his hands. The screen game, he showed up, and um, you know, he's uh, in, in even down you know, down the field on wheel routes. Now he's a small target, so your quarterback better be accurate because he's not a guy that's gonna necessarily catch the ball outside of his frame uh, on a consistent basis. But you love the feet, you love the instincts, um, it, and it. What I love about his tape too is he rarely runs in a straight line. He's always drifting, right. always he's he's constantly creating difficult angles for tacklers, and that makes him really elusive and and, uh, and just a, a tough guy to get on the ground in space. So yeah, he'll he'll be an interesting one come draft time uh, if he ends up declaring. That's what he he has declared. So he he's okay, in. perfect. Um, when when I I just feel like a creative coach could get a lot of value out of him with with a you know later draft pick because well, it, if you it, it, if you can use him in the pass game use him in the return game th- there's right. a lot you can do with him and it's the same conversation where running back is loaded this year you know and so like yeah. how do you compare him with uh you know guys like Sean Tucker from Syracuse and um mm-hmm. Tajay Spears from Tulane who just went off against, awesome USC. against USC oh my gosh yep. I think, you know, he reminds me so much of James Cook, um, you know, Dalvin's brother, who was drafted in the second round by the uh, Buffalo Bills. Um, I mean, they're just, you know, leaner guys for the running back position. They're sub 200 pounds, but so quick, so shifty. Um, yeah, he, he averaged like 12 yards a carry uh, against the Trojans in the Cotton Bowl. Just something yeah. crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a really deep running back class. and you Don't know, get do, me started on the USC defense, Dane. I mean, I, I know. It, it, it does. If, if you're an offense and you want to inflate your stats, uh, hopefully USC is on your schedule. Um, and, hey, Lincoln Riley better get some things figured out there because, uh, you know, you've got one of the best, arguably the best quarterback in college football, uh, a guy that might be the number one pick next year. And, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're giving up 50 points. So, um, yeah, I, I think an entirely new defensive philosophy has to happen. It's not necessarily yeah. just a change in coordinator. Everybody says, oh, you know, change, you know, get rid of Alex Grinch and find somebody else. It's not only that. You have to you have to change the way you practice. You have to change how the, the defense and offense interact at practice. You may have to give up some stuff offensively to get what you want defensively, but it, it is going to have to change or they're going to have the same result because what this USC team was was exactly what the – 17 Oklahoma team was the 18 Oklahoma team, the 19 Oklahoma team and the 20 Oklahoma, like these same teams. So I, I'd be curious to see what changes there. If any, I I would think there's something coming, but yeah, that, that was, that was frustrating to watch because Caleb Williams obviously is a magician on the other side. Yeah. He's, I know that offense is going to score points. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, now it's up to Lincoln Riley this offseason. Okay, how are you gonna fix the defense? Because you've got a legitimate national title contending team going into next year with that quarterback. Uh yeah. you better figure out that defense to have a shot. And it 
I mean, let, let's go back to the college football playoffs uh, where, you know, TCU and Michigan, that game, yes. I, I mean, just uh, as exciting as, you know, uh, maybe as as exciting as the Ohio State-Georgia uh, game, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I mean, Michigan, in a lot of ways, lost that game. Um, you know, like oh, they, yeah. they, they, the, they, the two they pick made sixes. Mistakes and then bad things happened right. as well. I mean, the fumble at the goal line, and, and right, it should have been a touchdown. Yes, probably. But, you know, I, I still don't feel bad when, you know, you're at the goal line and, you know, you should just punch it in. So it, it, it's it's something that, uh, you know, I didn't know Michigan fans will be thinking about that loss for a while, and I, I totally understand. But I think give credit to TCU. I mean, Max Duggan yeah. did not have his best game, um, especially passing. No. Uh, but, you know, they needed some of their guys to step up. Quentin Johnson did that, you know, a guy that could be a first round wide receiver, a top 20 wide receiver. Um, you know, I still have some questions about, uh, you know, his his route running at the stem and, you know, creating his own separation, things like that. But that 76 yard catch and run touchdown, I mean, that for a guy that's 6'4", that's, 215. That's a, th- that's a third and seven play that he caught yeah. ahead of the sticks. Like he, the, the, the goal on that play is figure out how to make the first down. Now right. he was, he was hot on that play. That was huge pressure in Max Duggan's face. His only option is a dump down to to Quentin Johnson, which they they had another one of those to Tay Barber earlier in the game for a touchdown where they they just they their crossers are hot basically. Yeah. And so when you throw it, you're like, oh my god, you're throwing it ahead of the sticks. What are you even doing? But the idea is that hot receiver replaces the person who's putting the pressure on the quarterback. So theoretically, there's going to be some space around him, which there was in both cases. I thought it was unbelievable how well he then got the corner and just outran everybody. Oh, for a guy that size to open his stride yeah. and just accelerate. I mean, that and that's why we're talking about him as a potential first round pick because he has the the, you know, those traits to do that. And that's um that's awesome. And, and you know, let's give credit to Max Duggan who especially that that Tay Barber touchdown where he knows that there's a free rusher coming and he has to killed. buy yeah. yeah he has to buy times for that crosser to clear and he does he he's as he's getting hit he's making that pass throws it on a line to barber who's able to get a touchdown so net put TCU up 21 to 3 at that point so mm-hmm. uh, i mean it was yeah. uh, uh you know it was not Max Duggan's best game, but just like every game, he has a handful of plays that make you sit up and say, okay, you know what? I can work with that. They're, they're, uh, his accuracy as a passer can be up and down. Um, you know, His decision-making process, uh, it needs to be a little streamlined and more efficient. But uh, when he knows where to go with the football and you see the toughness, the competitiveness, and then he's got the arm to make it happen. So, I mean, that's why Max Duggan's made himself uh, into a mid-round pick who... Uh, you know, some teams are going to want to develop. So what what did you think of the Michigan guys? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I thought the – it was weird because this is the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line. and it, That's where I was going with that. Yep. Yeah, you know, it feels like they went away from it. And then when they did go back to it, they just weren't as, effect, as effective. And, I mean – I, okay, let, it let's, felt like TCU was the more physical team up front. It did, yeah. And let's talk about Dylan Horton from TCU. Uh, yeah. He had four sacks, and it felt like that was a low number compared to how often he was in the backfield. I, I mean, he was outstanding. I, I wrote in my college football preview, I, I ranked the, all my, you know, the best matchups to watch in both uh, semifinal games. 
And I wrote in there how Dylan Horton is the most underrated play, underrated prospect in the entire playoff. He is a top 100 player all day. Um, you know, a guy that is uh, going to be an NFL starter. He's 275 pounds, uh, but probably could lose some weight and be even quicker. But he's a really good athlete. I, they had no answer for him on the right side of that Michigan offensive line. Um, it, it was a tough showing for that group. And, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy usually, you know, we saw it against Ohio State. We've seen it all year where he can scramble and just, you know, make these, you know, crazy uh, plays in the backfield, making guys miss, and then finding someone downfield. Just wasn't able to do it consistently. So, uh, and then in the run game, they just did not get the movement that they usually get. And it, it seemed like, that first play of the game where Donovan Edwards had a 50-yard gain, it's like, okay, well, yeah. this is gonna be a this is gonna be a long one for TCU. And I mean that might have been one of their best plays of the entire game. So yeah, it, yeah. it was not the Michigan that we saw against Ohio State. They they just picked a bad day to play, you know, their their worst game of the season. So Dylan Horton, by the way, what position do you think he played in high school? He was a safety, wasn't he? That's exactly right. Yeah, because yeah, he was That's he was a exactly. light guy and put on weight, and yeah, he's he is a good he bulked up without without losing that athleticism. He is a yeah. he's a good player. New Mexico, right out of high school, played his first two years at New Mexico. Uh, Gary Patterson then got him to to transfer to TCU before the the twenty twenty season. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's Gary yeah, Patterson so, thinking right now? That's tough. I oh, mean, yeah, it is. Because he he's the one who stocked this roster for the most part. Now they yeah. did they do have thirteen transfers that mm-hmm. that are playing some, but not all starting. Uh, so Sonny Dykes deserves oh, most yeah. of the oh, credit. Yeah, yeah. But no, no doubt, Gary yeah, yeah. Patterson for for putting this roster together, like that was always his superpower was right. being able to find those guys that were, you know, uh, the Jerry Hughes story. He's a running back in high school, and and Patterson sees him as a first round defensive end, which is what he turned into. <laughs> I mean, that was. That was amazing. So I think probably frustration, like, oh, I had that roster right. I just wasn't doing enough with it. And Zach Evans, too. You know, I don't mm-hmm. – uh, no one faults him for transferring to Ole Miss and, uh, you know, going to a, a tougher conference. And, um, you know, I know NIL was part of that, too. But, uh, you know, it just – it didn't quite work out in terms of on the field. You know, he was injured most of the year. And then, you know, TCU's in a national title game. And – um, but, you know, in credit to uh, TCU, because Kendra Miller, if you would have told me that they would not have had Kendra Miller for most of that game, I would have thought, well, there's no sh- no chance they win. No I, chance. You know, you, you take yeah. away your... Demarcado was great. All, all credit to him. I mean, yeah, I, I, I honestly knew very little about him. He's not a guy that's, you know, at least coming into the season was highly thought of as a, as a prospect. But, uh, you know, putting up well, 150 rushing yards against that Michigan defense... That's not nothing. I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, bad players don't do that. So, you know, all of a sudden, this is a player I want to go back and watch a little bit more of. Um, and I I don't think we know yet what Miller's status is for the national title game. They might need him again, um, you know, to uh, you know make it that type of impact against a really good Georgia defense. Before we talk about the national title game, I do want to touch on one more Michigan-related item because we had a story in The Athletic on Monday by Bruce Feldman, Nicole Auerbach, and Austin Meek that if if Harbaugh gets an NFL offer that he's likely to take it. Yeah. And, you know, you saw Jim Harbaugh as an NFL coach with the 49ers. What do you what do you think of him potentially coming back into the league? Look, it's the worst kept secret that 
every offseason, Jim Harbaugh's tried to make that move. I, I mean, it's he, he has. Um, and, you know, I, I know, you know, last year it was he was flirting with the Vikings. This year we'll see. I mean, do the Colts come calling? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Vikings, he was going to take the Vikings job. They just didn't offer it to him. Right, they exactly. Chose, they chose exactly. O'Connell. So, and, and, but and I, that, I know Michigan fans get really tired of the speculation, but it's because Harbaugh keeps doing it. He keeps flirting with the NFL. It's not like it's the media just forcing right. this narrative. It's, you know, Harbaugh, and this goes back, you know, three, four, five years ago. Every year, Harbaugh would try to get back into it. I also don't think this is a ploy to get more money from Michigan because no. I just think he really wants to be in the NFL if it, yeah. if it keeps happening like this. Now, he's got history with Ursay. He played for that organization. The The Colts make sense. The Broncos make some sense to me because I feel like Jim Harbaugh is one of the people, and I don't know how many people like this there are, who can go to Russell Wilson and be like, listen, just stop all this. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still a good quarterback. Stop this other stuff. Let's concentrate on you being a good quarterback, and let's let's get this right. I, that Broncos job is really interesting because – Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. And no. You know, it's and they just, have talent. <laughs> yeah, have no, they do. It, it, yeah. A lot of it comes down to just getting consistency out of the quarterback. Um, and, and that might take being creative and changing the way you do things. Um, you know, just uh, so that there's, there's so many, and that, that's a different podcast, but it'll be interesting with Harbaugh. And if, uh, you know, he takes any interviews, how that, how that plays out. Um, you know, he's got a good team coming back next year uh, at Michigan. Yeah. I mean, J.J. McCarthy. And he seems uh, to have figured this out, that like how to use the transfer right. portal. And well, he's, the, he's yeah. got the secret sauce now. They're missing – they're going to lose a bunch of guys. But, I, I mean, the, the they brought in a guard um, uh, tackle. Anderson? Yeah, from Arizona State, who's really, yep. really good. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I was favorites. Look, yeah, I was looking at him as a prospect because he was technically – a senior and, and sh- uh, could have came out, he decides to transfer yeah. to Michigan and he could go from a fourth round pick to uh, a top, you know, 50 or 60 pick with, with uh, that type of move. So I understand absolutely why he did it. It's yeah. a good move L- for Ladari- him. Ladarius just turned 21 like a month yes. ago. That's why. Yeah, he enrolled at he like 17 this. and yeah. Yeah. He, he's a young guy. So, But yeah, so I mean, they, that's, that's what Michigan has done well and, and it looks like they're doing that well again. So, it is interesting to me, and I was selfishly. I'd just like to see him in college football. I think I think it's fun when he's in college football, yeah. but I also think he's got something figured out at Michigan that it took a while to get to, and it, I just can't imagine just walking away from that once. Once you it feels like you've unlocked something, but if the NFL is where he wants to be, then that's where he's going to go. If yeah. if somebody wants to hire him, so that that makes sense to me, yeah. but. All right, let's let's move on to to SoFi, Georgia versus TCU. Yep. This feels like a Jalen Carter game, or TCU's offensive line shows us something. Yeah, and, and we'll see Jalen Carter go up against uh, a pretty good TCU offensive line on the interior, um, led by Steve Avila at left guard. Um, uh, I, you know, I in the Nash, or in the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. Carter made some plays, but he was also really fatigued throughout that game. And yes. it was really, really interesting to watch uh, him coming in and out, subbing in and out. But, I mean, he's still a st- absolute stud and w- was making plays um, when he was out there. So it, I'm interested to see Jalen Carter, how you know, what he does in this game. 
especially against a TCU offense that loves to go fast, loves to spread things out. Yeah, TCU's um, not going to let them sub the way Ohio State did. Right, right, exactly. So that'll be that. That's definitely something to watch for. Um, is Darnell Washington able to play in this game? He got hurt pretty early mm-hmm. on. It, they said it was like a soft tissue injury, um, and yeah, not it's like, like strained ankle. Yeah, but it wasn't like a. It wasn't like an ankle injury, like a, just a pure sprain. It was more of a soft tissue thing. And so, like they say, like he has a chance to to play uh, in the national title game. So that'll be interesting. Um, you know, are we going to be able to see Ringo versus Quentin Johnston? That'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, can can Ringo, uh, you know, make us eat our words with, uh, you know, what we said earlier in the show about, you know, him holding up one-on-one versus uh, stud receivers. So, and, and then TCU's defense has to play at the same, like D. Winters, uh, Dylan Horton, uh, those guys have to show up the same way they did against Michigan to, you know, because we know that, Georgia, they they want to do a lot of quick hitters. They want to use their ground game. Kenny McIntosh had a great game against Ohio State. He showed why he he's got a chance to be a top 100 running back uh, in, in next year's draft. So, or in this year's draft, um, you know, I want to see that TCU defense and and Hodges Tomlinson too on the back end. Um, Thorpe Award winner can can TCU stars on defense at each level. Horton, D. Winners, Hodges Tomlinson. Can they play after they played really well against uh, Michigan? Can they play even better against Georgia? Because I think TCU's defense, uh, TCU is going to need that defense to play at that level if they're going to win this game. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Georgia is going to gift them either free points or just not scoring when you need to score. Yeah. Georgia's doesn't make that many mistakes. Like right. what what Michigan did, and and Michigan doesn't usually make that many mistakes. Like that was very unusual to see. Like, you know, you can say you can criticize the Philly special call on that first drive, and I'll be happy mm-hmm. to criticize that. But how often do you get screwed on a call and then fumble on a dive handoff the next play? That's that's pretty rare. Yes. And then you know, just just some, some stuff that happened where the ball did not bounce Michigan's way, and and in TCU benefited from that. That stuff doesn't happen very often with Georgia. Like right. they kind of do what they're supposed to do and the thing that's supposed to happen tends to happen. So that's the the, the part if you're TCU you got to be almost perfect it feels like. Yeah, it does. And but you know what? I, I uh, this week I've got uh, on the Athletic I'm ranking the top 25 draft eligible prospects in the national title game and I'm mapping it out and in my top yep. 10 six are Georgia, four are TCU. So it's not that's like great. it's Nine to one, Georgia to TCU. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost even. Now, this is draft eligible, so we're not including ba- Brock Bowers or um, right. you know Javon Bullard, who had a great game against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kamari Lasseter. I mean, Georgia's loaded <laughs> Matt with Malachi young, young Starks, guys. who's a true freshman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're loaded with young guys that are not going to be part of this conversation. But just talking about the draft eligible players. TCU has guys, you know, they ha- they have some players that will be in the NFL, will be drafted, um, you know, uh, in April. So, uh, and Max Duggan, you know, can he play a better game than, th- than he did against Michigan? Um, yeah. You know, if, if he can play his best, then TCU definitely has a shot. Yeah, there's definitely room for improvement there. And I think that's that's what you look at if you're TCU and you go, yep, mm-hmm. there is a chance. And that, that proves it. So... We will see, Dane. I can't wait to watch. I will be watching with about 300 drunk coaches at the uh, at the coaches convention, so oh, nice. I'm sure I'll get a 
a Where's thorough that scouting report from from every, it's in Charlotte this year. So okay, nice. It'll be a it'll be a fun one. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll get a thorough scouting report from everyone. I'll be happy to pass along. Great. So it, it 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 should be a very interesting national title game. Uh, this has been one hell of a season, and, and we got one more game, and then you and I got to get ready for uh, for All Star games. No, I can't wait. All right, we will talk to you next week. This was The Athletic Football Show.